Hey guys, I'm Aaron Schultz and this is episode one of the Outback Mind podcast. for joining me uh episode one it's been a long journey to get to this uh podcasting era but i'm really grateful and really blessed to be here and and doing this and trying to uh get some information out there into rural australia to try and improve men's mental health and give uh people tools and uh the ability to be able to be more self-aware and uh bring great people like the guest i have on this morning on uh to uh to hear uh, to discuss their story and and what they've uh, they've been able to, uh, to to do with regards to their own mental health and uh, and helping of others as well. So this morning we have uh, Paul Ruse. Paul Ruse is a uh, an AFL legend. Primarily, he's been involved in um, in sport pretty much his whole life, but uh, also most recently and over the last few year, few years has been really uh, active in men's mental health and uh, also um, you know assisting others through his own programs and so forth as well. So Paul. Uh, has uh, you know, graciously uh, accepted uh, my invitation to come along without any hesitation. He said straight away, yes, uh, without, uh, without too much pleading. So I'm really grateful for that. So um, I'm sure you'll enjoy the conversation with Paul this morning and uh, discussing some of the, uh, the topics around footy, uh, around men's mental health and footy clubs and his own, uh, own journey in, uh, in general. So uh, sit back, listen in and uh, enjoy the experience this morning. I think you'll find... Uh, at very much uh, enlightening and uh, and very very valuable. So I'll just get Paul on the line now, and we will uh, we'll get going. Alrighty. Just uh, yeah, is trying to get uh, get sorted here. Uh, hopefully it's going to go through, and we'll be fine. It's just uh, a bit of a hiccup here with the line, by the looks of it. So. We'll see how we go. Here we go. Call from Paul Ruse. G'day, Paul. How are you? No, lost you. Hang on. I'll give you a call back. G'day, Paul. How are you? Very well. Very well. I just uh, lost you there for a tick. I'll just uh, get you uh, back on speaker. One tick. Battery 100%. Connected to Aaron's iPhone. You there, mate? Hello? Sorry, uh, just some trials and tribulations here. All right, you got me now. Hang on, mate, you there? Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, good, how are you going? Yeah, good, good. Good, good. Hopefully uh, my editing will work after this, so we'll see how we go. But uh, no th- this is number one podcast. So, uh, yeah, very grateful uh, for you joining in. No problems. You're pretty loud, so maybe just you maybe just talk a little bit further away from the speaker because it's sort of a bit grainy. So just try it again. Yeah, sure. How's that? Yeah, that's a bit better. Yep. Cool. All right. All right. We'll start it from here. So... Uh, very grateful to have Paul Ruse along this morning, and um, yeah, Paul's uh, Paul's uh, given us his time to be able to talk about men's mental health, and um, obviously trying to get some more content out there into regional Australia to 
help guys uh, become a little bit more self-aware and, and bring some tools into our lives that can help us manage our mental well-being a little bit better. So, um, yeah, thank you very much for joining in, Paul. No, thanks for having me. No worries at all, mate. Um, I just wanted to, to go through a few things uh, this morning. And, you know, one thing that a lot of people, um, I suppose, will find some value from will be, you know, your own journey and, and just your own experience from childhood to now and sort of, you know, the life of Paul Roos as a, as a young boy moving into adult life and, and what you've experienced uh, along the way. Yeah, it's had a pretty sort of standard upbringing, I guess. I grew up in the eastern suburbs of, of Melbourne out in a place called Donvale. Yeah, two parents that were pretty sporty and, you know, there was orchards out there and creeks and stuff like that. So I went to Donvale Primary School, Donvale High School, Got into tennis pretty early, got into basketball through the Donvale Primary School basketball team and then got into footy, which pretty much every kid did. So the sport I missed out on was cricket. I was sort of a basketballer rather than a cricketer because I got into basketball, as I said, at primary school. Mm. Yeah, played a lot of sports um, growing up, um, which led me to play for, for the Fitzroy Footy Club, was there for, for 13 years and then moved to Sydney, got married uh, in 1992. Had a couple of boys, Dylan and Tyler, and then obviously went into coaching. So, yeah, look, pretty – I mean, my mum and dad split up when I was probably about 18 or 19. So, But apart from that, yeah, pretty sort of standard background and really fortunate to go to Fitzroy Footy Club and, and be involved in really successful sporting organisations. Mm. Yeah, really, uh, yeah, yeah. I guess um, it's a dream of, of most young guys in Australia to be able to sort of reach the pinnacle of their sporting uh, – pursuits and uh, you know it's um, it's it's great that you've been able to do what you've been able to do and also come out the other side of it um, you know uh, sharing your, your journey and experiences with so many uh, people out there so just on that with regards to what happened when when your mum and dad split up did that impact you at all as a young fella? Yeah it was an interesting time I, I remember I remember I sort of been, went away went overseas on a holiday and I came back and my dad was gone sort of thing so mm. I guess it probably relates a little bit to that, you know, what men were like back then. And, you know, I'm sort of talking in the early 80s, you know, men were very closed and I guess there was that traditional, you know, dad goes to work and mum stays home. So I remember my mum taking us all to, you know, footy training and tennis and all that. My dad used to work really hard and come home at night sort of thing. So you didn't really ask a lot of questions and they didn't sort of explain too much to you. So you sort of left to handle it yourself really and I was at the stage where I was fortunate I was able to buy a house pretty young. So I sort of moved out of home and, you know, had a really stable job and a stable, you know, football, you know, great role models and great friends. So I didn't ask a lot of questions. So I didn't find out really much information and just sort of tended to get on with life. And, yeah, I'm sure that's had some repercussions in terms of, you know, how I deal with certain things. But as I said back then, it just wasn't something... You know, you really talked about, mm. and the mail was sort of really closed off in terms of communication. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I suppose you were born in the 60s, I guess, and went through the, the 70s and 80s where, where guys were very much like that. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm a bit younger than you, but uh, certainly as we were young fellows, it was very, very hard to, to speak about how you felt personally and, uh, you know, um, being able to, you know, go through uh, some traumas in your life uh, and really had to embody them and not really be able to express them was such a tough thing for a lot of us back in those days. But, um, you know, I, I'm grateful that things are starting to change now and we're able to have conversations like we're having now. So, 
Do you, do you, yeah, no. sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, absolutely, I think you're right. I mean, it's sort of people ask what it was like back then and it just, you know, it was only really what you used to, wasn't it? I mean, your, your sort of role models were your parents and your footy coaches and everyone was pretty closed up. So, yeah, that's just the way things were. It's not a right or a wrong, but I think you're absolutely right. It's good that things have changed because, um, you know, we need to express ourselves a lot more. Yeah, absolutely. Do you um, do you have your own journey with, with, say, anxiety and depression or anything that popped up over, over your period of... You know, the last 20, 30 years as an adult uh, or more um, that, that may, you know, have taken some some challenge to be able to overcome yourself as an individual? I think it's more when you're involved in a team sport, particularly coaching. I've been really fortunate. I, mean, I remember one of the things Wayne Foss said, and I remember him speaking, that everyone has mental health. I mean, it's funny where when we talk about mental health, we tend to, to think about the negative aspect of mental health. You mentioned anxiety and depression, but I guess my mental health was, was very good, you know, and, and I meditated, I started meditating, you know, 20 years ago, and I reckon, I think that really helped my mental health. So mm. I think everyone has mental health, and, and when it's ill health, that's when it's obviously unhealthy. So mm. I probably saw it more in the players, and I guess that was, and it was more as a, as a mentor and teacher and, and trying to find solutions. Mm. But one thing that was really consistent with any of the players that came and spoke to me was, once they had spoken to me, you could just see the relief, the absolute mm. relief on their face that yeah. suddenly, you know, someone of influence and someone that they respected knew. And I was so relieved to find out. So that's probably the first thing I'd say to people. Don't think you're going through it by yourself. Mm. Reach out, tell someone, and the, and the relief will be palpable. You know, you really feel it. And I could literally see people sitting in front of me and their body language was changed and they'd walk out the door you know, um, so different to the way they came in. Mm. And then we could start to, to manage the problem. So, I was, you know, as I said, I was fortunate my health has been, my mental health has been good, but I've certainly seen the other side of it. And from a, I guess, someone that's had to find solutions and had to, you know, really work with players and staff, et cetera, et cetera, on that journey. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's, it's really interesting, you know, I see some similarities in yourself and myself uh, in, in, in many ways because I, I managed uh, men primarily uh, through workforces. Uh, I sort of ran labour hire companies and, and ran large teams of guys and, you know, over the years really observed, um, you know, the highs and lows of, of men and, and well-being and, and how they, uh, they, they function uh, in and out of the workplace. and. You know, primarily uh, one thing that really alerted me about 10 or 15 years ago was when I was uh, bringing guys in uh, to Tasmania doing fly-in, fly-out work, and they were earning, you know, $2,500 a week back back then, but by the end of the week they were broke, you know, and yeah. uh, a lot of that money was going on booze and uh, yeah. partying and so forth. Uh, back then we didn't have the restrictions with, uh, you know, breath testing and so forth before work, so um, it was really, uh, you know, pissed up against the wall primarily, but... Um, you know, what, I, what I'm doing now is I'm, I'm doing like more coaching, like recovery coaching at the front line. And the problem hasn't changed, Paul. You know, a lot of the guys that, um, that I'm working with are still dealing with trauma that wasn't their fault. You know, things yeah. that happened in their childhood and, and at an early age that really impacted them and have been able to move on. And, you know, it's, it's really beautiful to see, to see young guys uh, primarily to be able to make shifts in their lives, uh, you know, in their uh, early 20s um, and upwards because they've got the ability to be able to, 
you know, make some profound changes now that can impact them for the rest of their lives. But at the same time, an, an older gentleman, it doesn't matter how old you are, you can still um, you know, make changes with support and having the ability to engage with someone wholeheartedly to, uh, to enforce or help enforce that change or encourage that change. Yeah, 100%. I think the first stage, as you alluded to, is just that communication piece, you know, just, and also it's self-awareness, isn't it? It's just that awareness that, look, just something's not right, you know, and and then get someone to help you identify, because often, as you said, it might be something that you've completely forgotten about. It's like, mm. you know, something when it's 14 or 15 and you're now 30 or 35, yeah, so it's something you've carried for you know 19 years or 20 years, and you mm. you're not necessarily absolutely aware of of where the problem started, where the emotion started, and and the emotion will trigger, and then it triggers, as you mentioned, might trigger triggered some sort of drug problem or some sort of alcohol problem mm. or you know a relationship problem. So the really important thing is the self awareness that something's wrong. Mm. Then the second stage is look, I just need to talk to someone, and and that's why I think guys are much better now. You know, the old pub talk about, you know, who won the footy on the weekend, you know, find find a space for it. I think that's really important as well. You know, it, if you sense one of your mates is going through a tough time, maybe don't take him to the pub. Just say, mate, look, do you want to drop around for, you know, for a coffee or something like that? Mm-hmm. Set him in a really safe environment that you can then bring it up. And, you know, Aaron, look, mate, how are you? I just noticed. And when you're asking them how are you, mm-hmm. you know, be prepared to ask some follow-up questions as well. And, and then... I think the most important thing is to, to be supportive and, you know, I'm, I'm here to help, mate. So there's, you know, and I'm certainly not a professional in it as, as, as you are mm. and other people are, but there's certainly strategies around, you know, how you can then get find a solution. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, you, you touched on something that sort of hit my heart there. Um, uh, when I was 14, uh, I had, I had a, a, a guy make a comment to me. Um, I wrote about it in the book that you uh, graciously yep. forwarded for me. And, um, uh, you know, that that stayed with me until I was like 40, you know. So that was 30, yep. you know, 30 odd years of my life just about that were, that I was stuck in that in that sort of, um, you know, feeling. And, and mind you, the, the guy that made that con- comment was intoxicated at the time, but it had such an effect on me that uh, yeah. it really stayed with me and really stuffed up my um, my self confidence in many ways. So I'd act, uh, you know, overconfident to, to mask the underconfidence, I suppose. And um, you, you know, they do say that uh, a young man between the ages of twelve and fifteen, you know, if they experience they experience some form of trauma in that part of their life, that it does stay with them and it hangs around. So the only way I was able to get out of that was through my body by, by you know, uh, by, by physically pushing myself and, and telling myself that everything was okay, you know. So, uh, you know, it was, it was a shame. But that, that actually was a blessing because it took me to where I am now, but also um, to meditation uh, primarily to be able to help the mind settle every day just to reassure myself that I'm part of such a beautiful, um, beautiful world and, uh, and how, you know, lucky we are to be in the environment that we're in, uh, challenging as it is, but also, you know, to be able to be here and, and use every day as a gift rather than, uh, um, you know, something that, um, that may not serve us uh, that well, you know, it depends on how we start our day and how uh, that can, you know, impact the day ahead of us and everyone else around us, I guess, yeah. Yeah, 100%. I think, 
I mean, there's that old saying, sticks and stones break the bones, but words will never hurt me, which was completely not true. I remember speaking to a mm. neuroscience, and, and, the, and words are actually as painful as blows to the body. So if you get a blow to your arm and you break an arm, you go to the doctor and you mm. get the doctor to look at it and you get the, the brace on. But we tend to think that words don't hurt, but mm. they do. Yeah. So your point is absolutely right. So there's something that someone said to you that you feel has had an impact. Go and see someone. You know, go and see a you know kinesiologist or an NLP practitioner or or a psychologist or someone like that mm. because they do they do hurt mm. and the brain you know reacts a similar way to when you get you know as I said a, a physical injury the brain reacts a similar way to, to when you get a, a a mental injury through someone saying something so don't mm. feel like you oh that's soft because someone said that to me and I'm, I'm feeling bad I shouldn't feel bad yeah it's just the way the brain operates really yeah that that's right and and you think back to the 70s and 80s as we discussed before and and you know when those sorts of things happened it was very hard to talk and you know, Paul, yeah. I, I grew up in Horsham, as you know, and um, uh, that that comment led me to, you know, drinking too much and that when I was younger because I really felt felt terrible uh, about it because it made me feel worthless within myself. And I remember one day going to the drug and alcohol place looking for help and I just felt so paranoid that people would judge me and so forth for being there that um, that I, I didn't yeah. uh, didn't participate, you know, and... Uh, and that can be a real trap, but you know, I'm seeing in young men now the ability for them to be able to step up without that fear, um, yeah. which is really beautiful because you know people like ourselves are having these conversations to sort of let people know that it's okay. Whereas back then, guys wouldn't wouldn't talk. You'd you'd be be judged and labelled if you uh, had some vulnerability, I guess. Yeah, and I think the good thing is now. Because it's all, a lot of it's all about role modelling, you know, without being critical of anyone because different eras are different eras. You know, if your role models are quite closed and not talking, then you tend to be that type of person as well. I think I think the AFL have done a fantastic job and, and credit to some of the players that have come out and spoken about their mental health. Mm. Obviously, Wayne Swass a big advocate. But suddenly, as a young man, you've got these role models where you look at a Tom Boyd and he, he comes out and, and for solar and guys like that and suddenly you go, okay, mm. all right, that's that's interesting. I always thought that AFL guys were bulletproof and, mm. yeah, that's one of the reasons that I didn't say anything because I didn't want to be seen as this or that or whatever. But suddenly you've got these, you know, high-profile people coming out and saying, no, look, I'm not, I'm not well, you know, I'm struggling. And it allows the conversation to flow then. It allows that young... You know, kid from Horsham that barracks for Essendon or Hawthorne or Richmond, whoever it does, to go, okay, well, I'm struggling. Wow, that's interesting. I didn't realise, you know, so many AFL players were going through the same thing. Mm. I better go and see some. So that notion of role modelling is, is incredibly important as well. Yeah, 100%. And uh, look, it's, it's really, um, look, look I'll, I'll go back to what I, what I said about what I'm doing now. Like a lot of these young fellows that are coming in, They've had no role models, no role models in their life. And yeah. because I'm able to sort of demonstrate that I've walked the path, that, that really helps them, you know, that they've actually seen someone that's been through the stuff that they've been through. Mind you, not experiencing anywhere near the trauma that they have, but being able to understand yeah. their mental um, capacity and their instabilities and being able to sort of give them structure to, uh, to, to, to move forward. And, uh, you know, one, one Indigenous young fellow yesterday 
said to me, um, you know, I want to keep walking up the stairs, not down the stairs. And, um, yeah. and yeah. you know, having someone to, to go side by side with him is, uh, is really important, you know, whereas I haven't had that before. Yeah, no, absolutely. There's no, there's no question about that, and that's why it's important for all guys, you know, in all walks of life. You know, you, when you talk about role modelling, it's the local football coach that's a role model for these young people. It's the teacher that's a role model for these young people. Mm. You know, it's it's the uncle, it's the family friend sort of thing. So, it's really important that the conversation starts at that adult level and and you know the, it's really hard for my generation and generations above us but we've got to take the lead you know when we have kids or our kids yeah, you because know, our kids are looking at us so we've got to have these conversations as well so for for all the males listening even the ones that you know like myself that are, that that have you know uh, their mental health is quite good mm. have the conversations you know um, be role models. Talk about your feelings. You know, talk about what it was like when you were growing up. Talk about the that difficult conversation you had when that person said something to you and you felt really bad about it. You know, yeah. because it might spark someone to go and see someone, and you know, and really without. I mean, you and I both know it, it might save someone's life. Yeah. So that's how that's how important these conversations are. Yeah, absolutely, and. and where I am at the moment, I've just started a men's circle and, uh, you know, just getting guys along to, 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 to hear other, other guys' stories and just help yep. them feel okay to, to, you know, express how they're going and, and be able to share that with others with trust is, uh, is really amazing and beautiful. Um, just, just on what you mentioned before, like with coaching, you would have seen over your journey over the last 55, 56 years or, you know, the time that you've had in football, the ability to be able to talk to a coach. So I remember my under-13 coach uh, for Church of England in Horsham was a really hard-ass, you know, and he made us feel terrible if we didn't do anything right or if we, you know, basically didn't um, didn't give us a lot of encouragement at all. Has that changed a lot over your journey? Like, have you had some coaches that, has been, that have been, you know, probably not the best man managers and, um, you know, compared to some of the ones that you, you would, um, would say are probably the better man managers you've experienced and who they may be? Oh, the coaching has changed enormously. You're 100% right, you know. I mean, you couldn't get a more blokey, closed sort of environment, you know, than a footy club. Didn't matter what the footy club looked like back in the sort of 70s and 80s and mm. et cetera, et cetera. But the football clubs are great places because they're so innovative and they're, they generally are high performance. They generally look after their players. Mm. So if you want to look after your players, you have to find ways, you have to build relationships you have to be vulnerable with them so coaching's changed dramatically you know a lot of the conversations at footy club now around relationships around vulnerability around empathy authenticity all those words that you know back in 82 when i first arrived at detroit you know no one spoke about them mm. but i was fortunate and i must say this i was really fortunate to go down to a footy club at Fitzroy. they had great role models great people you know mm. really really good guys mm. you know and gary wilson bernie quinlan laurie yeah. Servini, mickey Conlon, scotty clayton you know really really fortunate so whilst we didn't have a, a sort of absolute open environment we were always there to support each other, you know, and that was Peter Francis, Lee Carlson came from other footy clubs, mm. um, really good guys, good adults, family men. So we had really good role models. So this, you know, as I said before, I can't stress enough how important it is. And coaches, any form of coaches now, and if you're a bit of a hard-ass coach in the country or in the city or whatever, you're coaching under 17s, under 18s, you're doing it the wrong way. Mm. Because everything about coaching now is around authenticity and vulnerability and building relationships. That's not to say 
that you don't set high standards. You know, you, you set very high standards for your players, mm. but it's all, it's just the way you talk to them and the way you communicate with them. You know, you give them feedback because you care, not mm. because you're the footy coach. Yes. You know, does that make sense? 100%. I, I'm a footy right, coach yeah. and I care for my players. That's why I'm giving you the footy. That's why I'm giving you the feedback. And I really care about you. I want you to be a better person. I want you to be a better footballer, but more importantly, I want you to be a better person. So if anyone's out there coaching and doing it the old school way, then stop. Yeah, stop, read some books, um, look at the AFL as an example, and, you know, really start to build relationships, vulnerability. But as I said, still set really high standards and don't accept poor behaviour, but do it in a different way. Yeah. Yeah, really well said. And, um uh, some things come to mind to me uh, as you were speaking, but uh, certainly um, with with regards to leadership and uh, and being able to mentor um, people, the result, you know, primarily in the old days, and it probably still is relevant today, about what's in it for them, for the coach. So, you know, they're trying to get you as a player to perform so I can give them the yep. ability to be able to achieve something. But really at the end of the day, the whole beauty of what we're doing here is, is speaking to people with, with compassion and... Uh, and so forth to be able to help them to be able to perform better but also to be a better individual and you know it's no different than an employee in the workplace where you've got KPIs and you've got all these big expectations that can really really you know self-destruct unless you're managed well because if you've got you know these results you've got to try and achieve and you've also got a manager that you haven't got a lot of um, you know, uh, similarity with, or they haven't got the same values as you, then all of a sudden you're on a on a on a path to failure. But if you've got a manager that can be really supportive about helping you get your results, and then be able to be a sounding board for you if you are off track a little bit, then the the growth projection is huge. But if it's closed off, it's going to be you know detrimental to to everyone, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, ego is a massive um, impediment to success now. You know, it really is, and that's what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. You're talking about the coach with ego that wants to be the coach because he wants to win the premiership for himself, not that he wants to be the coach, that he wants to make, you know, boys or men better, yes. you know, improve their lives and, and understand what they're going through at home and family and kids or whatever it is. So yeah. ego in leadership, you know, you have to have some form of confidence and some form of ego, but ego maniacs are the worst leaders. You know, the, the more work I do in the corporate space, and the more I've seen through footy. If you've got an ego maniac in your organisation or in your footy club, get rid of them as soon as you possibly can, because yeah. they're exactly you know what you're talking about. They're only there for themselves, and they're not prepared to connect to people. They don't really care about people, and all they care about is you know the success that they're going to have. Yeah, and and you we've just got to look at Richmond for an example. Um, you know. I guess from my observation and knowing a couple of guys that are in that system at the moment, uh, how it was very disjointed. And I believe, you know, Damien primarily may have been a little bit that way too, perhaps. Um, but I believe, you know, what's happened over the last five years has been a, a huge transformation, which just goes to show that you can change, you know, ego and behaviour and so forth if you're prepared to listen to the teacher within. And, you know, what, what's happened with them with meditation and, and, and their practices and their belief as each other as a group or as, as a group rather than individuals, um, which is, you know, detrimental to sport primarily. You know, if you've got a team working together and it's really close-knit and you've got each other's back and you've got compassion for each other and you're not afraid to share your vulnerabilities and so forth, then magic can happen and the results have come as, uh, as, as what's happened there at Richmond. 
Yeah, I think any organisation, you know, the, the closer you are, there's so much, um, you know, information and research around connection and, and feeling valued, you know, and it doesn't matter whether you're Richmond Footy Club or, you know, Sydney Footy Club in 05 or you're a business, you know, try and, and a leader, try and, you know, make your people feel valued. Mm. Try and make them feel connected to the organisation. Yeah, I mean, as you would well know, I mean, lack of connection is one of the biggest causes of, of suicide and depression and anxiety, you yes. know. So if you're a leader, whether that be a footy coach or just a leader of a, a business or whatever it might be, or leader of the family, you know, you've got to create a really safe environment. You've got to create really good relationships and really it doesn't, it doesn't matter, as I said, what organisation it is, um, it is, it is incredibly important to do it. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. And you know, sports are sports, such a good example of that. Whereas before it was more of a hobby, but now it's obviously more holistic and uh, it's much more professional. So we're learning lots from the sports, uh, um, uh, you know, environments out there, whether it be footy, cricket, hockey, netball, you know, whatever, just on how that can impact everyday life. Uh, but also, you know, one thing that I wanted to talk to you about is the importance of being still and, and meditation. So you've got so much, you know. Um, so much go with sport and it's so high level compared to where you've got to sit and be vulnerable within yourself and this is where you can get your breath into a flow and start to calm the nervous system down and, and that can really help you know the goal of sport or the goal of work to be able to find that equilibrium and balance and you know you, 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 you've, you've practiced meditation for over 20 years and I'd just like you to give us a bit of an example of how that's maybe changed your life. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, we, Tammy and I, my wife, and as you know, Tammy's a meditation teacher. So we started meditating, you know, twenty years ago, and then we brought it into the, the footy club environment back in uh, two thousand and three when I was coaching um, Swans. So yeah, it was ground, really groundbreaking back then. And Tammy worked with, well, didn't make it compulsory, but Tammy worked with, you know, whoever wanted to work with. And it was no coincidence that our better players were the ones that did it. You know, Brett Kerr, Craig, Craig Bolton, Adam Goods, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. And, and it's now more mainstream. When I was coaching Melbourne, Tampa would come in and we do it before each main training session. We did some visualisation before the games and it certainly helped. There's no question it helped Melbourne go from a two-win team to a ten-win team over that three-year period. You mentioned Richmond. And really, there's so much work done on the external, you know, and I remember thinking when I started coaching Sydney, yeah, the, the real benefit can't necessarily now come from physical activity because, you know, players give or take it within, you know, a certain percentage of each other and, you know, you might be able to improve your 3K time trial by five or six seconds or whatever, mm. you know, when you're a 25, 26-year-old or your weights or whatever or you're kicking, but nothing had been done above the shoulders. Mm. You know, and, that, and that's where the biggest... Our transformations come in the last sort of 10, 15 years for, for AFL football is above the shoulders and yep. and looking after yourself. And, and really, Tammy talks about just quieting the mind and giving your mind a rest. And we never give our minds a rest. Yes. You know, what that allows you to do is then, you know, focus on your day. You'll have more clarity. Everything around you flows better. You'll have better relationships. You'll be better under pressure. So really, it is just quieting the mind and giving it a rest. And, yeah, going within and you know trying to improve yourself not just your physical but your emotional and mental well-being yeah that's right we're we're not educated around that you know the whole system that we're in pretty much educates us to support the economy and 
Um, you know, yeah. if you're into sport when you're young, it's all about performance and so forth, but there's never any value or any training on helping the mind settle and, and the, the relevance of healing through that. Um, I've been really lucky um, with what I've been able to do myself because I sort of went into the fitness side and that took me uh, to meditation because basically once I pushed my body hard enough and helped my mind be still, you know, so I wanted to explore more about that. But um, I remember I did some work with the Tassie cricket team years ago and um, I saw all the work needed to be done above the shoulders, you know. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you know, and that's that's obviously changed a lot since then. But um, but also, Paul, you know, I've gone into schools and I've gone into prisons and taught yoga um, to be able to help yeah. um, you know guys primarily understand the ability to be able to open the body, stretch the fascia in the body, and that, what that does to help the mind settle. You know, once the breath gets into a flow, um, the the mind starts to slow down, and then the body starts to recover and work better. So. Being able to use the fast, but also appreciating the value of the slow as well. Yeah, and it's interesting, isn't it? I always talk about like a car, and it's funny how, you know, if you if your oil light goes on in your car or your service light, you can't wait to get the car to the to the you know the the Ford dealership or whatever. You know, you get it there so quickly, but our body, we we just don't look after ourselves as well mm-hmm. as we look after the car. Yeah. yeah, if we've got a swimming pool, you know, we put chlorine in it and we get the pool guy to come around and we sweep it and all that sort of stuff. It's amazing how little time and effort we, we spend on ourselves, you know, and I think what you're talking about is absolutely right. You know, whatever that might look like for you, whether it's bike riding, meditation, yoga, you know, you know, walking the dog, running, getting into a really good routine around your overall health. And when you're talking about things like yoga and meditation and breathing exercises, that's the internal component around, you know, that awareness and focus and just the ability to be your best self every single day you get up. So it is quite amazing how little time we spend on it, isn't it? Oh, absolutely, mate. And, you know, I remember my old self 10 or plus years ago, the first thing I'd do is I'd put the TV on and I'd be put into fear by Koshi, <laughs> primarily, uh, you know, about all the, all the things that, uh, that were going on in the world that made me feel not great. And then, yeah. you know, then there'd be an ad come on about trying to sell me something to make me feel better. But really, you know, if you can get up, notice how you're going, you know, move the body quickly to be able to get out of the mind if you have to. And then, you know, try and build some stillness time into your, into your morning so you can set yourself up for a good day. Yeah, routine is so important, you know, I meditate every morning, but, you know, getting into a routine and, and your point about the news and is, is right. I mean, imagine if we shut the news off for a week. I mean, the world would be so much better place, you know, because we're just inundated every single day with negativity. Um, and it's really quite sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this, this notion of fear and driving fear and, and clickbait and selling newspapers, it's, it's really... So even turning the, turning the TV off, you know, for a day, a couple of days, getting into your routine, starting the day off with a you know, meditation or a walk or, you know, um, nice breakfast, etc., etc. it's really, really important to be able to do that. Yeah, self-care um, rather than self self-destruction and I guess you've just got to watch a game of sport now and it's pretty much all about things that aren't probably uh, the best for us you know as far as gambling drinking or eating bad and um, you know if you can still participate in sport be aware of those sorts of things I think it's really important and just be able to switch off from the negative messages and try and 
focus more on what's positive and, and good for you and everyone around you, I guess. Yeah, it's also your centres of influence, isn't it? I mean, yeah, it's often hard to do as, as blokes, but, you know, if you're if you find you're around toxic people and toxic guys, mm. get rid of them, you know, because you are going to be the sum of, of who you hang out with, whether that is at the local footy club or, you know, whether workplace or, or whatever, but certainly the, your friendship group is incredibly important, isn't it? You know, that, that you, you know, you want them to have good habits, you want them to... And if you're recognising that, and that's becoming part of the problem, so your whole environment is going to dictate, you know, what your, your mental health is like. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, one thing for me personally, and one thing I've been able to help other guys identify, uh, you know, the real true friends and the drinking buddies, you know, so, so the real true friends would be the ones there that you can confide in and, and really talk about you know, anything and everything without fear of judgment, comparison or criticism, yep. whereas you know, the traditional drinking buddies are someone that will criticise you and, and not support yep. you when you need support. So it's being able to be confident to step away from that environment as, as well, which is you know, quite challenging and tough for a guy uh, in its essence. But once you actually make that leap, that's when the real growth starts to happen. Yeah, it is. It is tough. There's, there's no question. You know, I think a lot of it, you know, is around personal responsibility, isn't it? You know, too often we tend to blame other people. I mean, we, we do have a, a, um, a society now of, of blame and excuses a little bit. So part of that self-awareness is there's making constant conscious choices. Mm. You know, and, and if you can make them early enough, you're probably not going to spiral out of that you know, into that really bad stage. You know, I think that's, and it is, you know, it's not easy to do, but but I think we've just got to be aware as, as human beings, you know, life is really a series of choices. You know, what time do I get up? What time do I set the alarm? What am I going to have for breakfast? Am I going to exercise? Who am I going to catch up with today? Mm. So before you get to that, so anyone listening out there that feels like they're, you know, just struggling a little bit, make changes before you start to struggle a lot. Mm. All right, so make some personal changes and take some personal responsibility yeah because whilst there's going to be people that help you the first stage i believe is when you are recognizing things aren't going so well yeah make some changes in your life yeah absolutely being able to arrest it and just uh be, be confident in doing that and that may mean speaking to someone that can help guide you on the way and be supportive as you go through that process <coughs> The, yeah, uh, the, mind, the mind will take us back to the same old, same old, and we've just got to reprogram and get our, 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 our bodies and minds sort of thinking a little bit differently so it can learn new skills and do different things. And, you know, a lot of the, the thought patterns that we have, you know, we're embodied by our parents who learn from their parents and so forth, but that's not relevant in modern society, you know. So being able to operate, function in this world you know, it takes some change and it takes some courage to be able to sort of step into a new space of learning and, and growth and development, I guess, at the end of the day, yeah. Yeah, and that's what life is, isn't it? I mean, life is not stagnant. You know, life is not I'm born and I'm the same person for the, for the rest of my life. It doesn't matter, again, it doesn't matter whether you've got, you know, mental ill health or, or your, your mental health. Is, everyone is on the same <coughs> development path, as in trying to get better. They're, they're slightly different in what they're trying to do, but we all have to try and get better every single day. We, you know, we all have to recognise, you know, even the, the most healthy people have to then recognise what the next stage is. And I think that's just part of the journey. So, mm. you know, don't think that, don't not do it because you think no one else is doing it. 
Everyone should be doing it. Everyone mm. should be looking to get better tomorrow, mm. you know, the next day, the next day after that. You know, what is the, what is the newest thing? You know, I think I can, you know, I, I can you know, start the breathing exercises. You know, yeah, yoga is great. I can walk the dog. You know, I'm going to you know, get a, a bunch of friends. Or, so everyone's on this growth path, aren't they? Mm. Life is not stagnant. That, that's right. But if you do watch the news and you do things that keep you stagnant, uh, then, then you won't grow. But you've got to be able to put yourself in a position where you can, I guess. Uh, that's, uh, that's the secret yep. that, um, that, that we all need to be able to share with others to be able to keep supporting ourselves and supporting everyone around us to you know, be the best versions of who they are at the end of the day, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you mentioned before, just support people. I think it's really important you know, if we recognise and not just how are you, yeah, I'm good, mate. You know, that's, that's a typical blokey conversation, isn't it? Mm. So if you are recognising one of your friends that's struggling, generally reach out to them, not in a superficial manner. And that can be difficult as well for guys, you know, to, to sort of, because as I said, the traditional thing is pick up the phone and make a quick phone call. But, you know, so support is important, you know, so it's a two-way street. It's that personal commitment and personal self-awareness. But... Yeah, you know, some people are past that stage. So then you've got to looking for support. You're looking for someone to jump in and say, "Mate, she's I really noticed you're really struggling. Mm. You know, can I help you?" No, no, I'm fine. No, no, hang on, hang on. Mm. I've really, really noticed. Look, you know, let's go for a walk in the morning. I'll pick you up. Or do you want to go for a bike ride on the weekend? You know, let's have a really good conversation. So it's a, it's definitely a two way street. It's, it's about the community. It's about your friends. It's about your family. It's about everyone. You know, pitching in. Mm. And what we can learn off people that are, you know, that have uh, walked the path or they're older for, older than us, like people in their, you know, towards their end of life in their 80s and 90s and, you know, what we can pick up from them and what they've, you know, what they've, they haven't done throughout their life and what we might be able to bring into our lives a little bit earlier. And uh, so some work that I did uh, where I did work around elderly people and had conversations with guys and things that they, that they regretted was uh, basically that they weren't, you know, kind enough to themselves, are always competing against themselves and, and judging themselves and so forth. But um, you know, now towards the end of their life, they're actually feeling a bit more self-compassion and so forth. But you know, one, one guy in particular um, that I remember, he's a farmer, a lot of them were, well, most of them were farmers, but primarily, uh, you know, he just wished that in his younger days, he actually like started doing the things that he loved doing that he really enjoyed rather than rather than doing the things that um he didn't so he'd become a farmer because his dad was and, and his grandfather was and so forth but he really loved writing and poetry and these sorts of things you know but he never was able to really explore that because of the expectations that were around him yeah 100 percent. i remember reading it a, um, a, paper, a paper written by a lady who was in palliative care and she just got in a habit of saying to elderly people, obviously they weren't getting out, you know, and asked them about their life and their regrets. And one of the biggest regrets was I lived the life that someone else wanted me to live and yeah. not my own life. Yeah. You're 100% right. Mm. And again, it's a challenge. But your point is right, you know, sit down with a, an elderly person and, and pick their brain. You know, it is hard to put old you know, an old head on young shoulders, you know, absolutely. And and listening, listening's a dying art as well. You know, if you are a younger person and you are going to ask a question, listen to the answer. You know, too often we don't actually listen to the answer, we just ask the question, mm. you know. But actively listening is really, really important and taking something out of that conversation. But, no, I, I 100% agree and I often, 
at the lunches or wherever I attend and some of the functions we do, I always read that list out because mm-hmm. I think it's really important. Yeah, you know, the other a couple on the, were on the list. I wish I allowed myself to be happier. Yeah, I wish I spent more time with the friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was nothing on that list about I wish I had more money. Yeah, I wish I had a bigger car. Yes. I wish I had a bigger house. Nothing on that list related to yeah money or fame or anything like that all of it was around self-care and yeah i wish i was happier with that spend time with my friends i wish i pursued things that i wanted to pursue rather than someone else wanted to pursue that's a great point you make yeah and uh you know that's what we're educated to do we're educated to spend and you know consume and all those sorts of things but at the end of it all it doesn't really matter all the things that you'll remember are the the, the, the great things you did for others and what um and what came of that and how as humans we're we're really meant to be you know doing the things that actually share and, and help us you know feel from the heart rather than the head and, and what the ego is basically telling us primarily and um uh, you know it takes a, a bit of work to be able to understand that but once you can start to more uh, live more from that space i suppose you become more uh compassionate earlier on in your life so you can actually share that more and more yeah, absolutely. And I think also reading, I mean, you know, getting information from other people, you know, don't, again, it comes back to, don't think you're, you're in it by yourself, you know, no one's born knowing everything, you know, you know, when you're 15, 16 or 17, you get smarter, but you, you don't know everything. When you're 20, 25, you don't know everything. I'm 57 and I'm still learning. Yeah. So where can you learn? You know, who can you learn from? Yes. You know, that's why I think asking questions and, as I said, listening is incredibly important, you know, reading books and, and understanding. So gaining the knowledge is incredibly important. Yeah, certainly listening externally, but also listening to the teacher within. You know, the, 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 the body yeah. is telling us stuff all the time. We just don't know how to read it and understand it. And being able to, to respond positively rather than negatively, we, we tend to have a... Uh, an ability to be able to self-destruct if we're not feeling that well we'll do something that makes us feel temporarily good but it doesn't sort of grow us long term you know yeah definitely yeah no question about that i think you know we always say this common sense is not that common so a lot of the things that we and i are talking about people understand but you have to take time to go within yourself and think about yourself and reflect on yourself and that you know that comes from those things we talked about meditation and yoga mm. you know if you have self-awareness and there's tools for that then those concepts start to bring themselves to life yeah but but only through your own self-awareness and your, your journey you're in a journey can you become really really conscious of, of what you're doing and saying and and every action in your life yeah absolutely paul it's, it's really beautiful to to hear your, um, your your heartfelt thoughts and everything on that because you know that's that's going to help plenty of guys out there understand the value of, of it all and just on that if anyone wants to to book you to, to to speak in the workplace or offer support what can they do yeah well i've got um you can reach me on linkedin so i generally get back to people on linkedin got another company called uh, performance by design um so get on the website check out what we do as well so um any speaking engagements any leadership stuff um yeah just jump on and track me down yeah good on you mate i'm really really grateful for you uh for spending your saturday morning here with me and uh you know um i just hope that a few people listen to this and, and pick up some tips it's the first one that i've done so it's really great to have such a a man um, of your knowledge and ability and 
experience to be able to come on and share this with everyone. So uh, thank you very much for your time. Get out uh, and have some nice breakfast and enjoy your sad day. Good on you, mate. Thanks a lot. Well done on what you're doing. It's fantastic. Good on you. Thanks very much. Good on you, mate. See you, mate. I'll take you soon. Thanks, Aaron. Take care. Bye. Call ended. There you go, guys. Uh, that's Paul Roos. Um, very insightful uh, conversation there. Um, <clears throat> lots of value around, uh, you know, footy clubs, what goes on in footy clubs, what goes on within a man, uh, and what goes on with uh, well-being in general, uh, and what we can all uh, experience just by giving ourselves space to um, do the things that Paul discussed there, you know, without sort of the, uh, the detrimental behaviours that a lot of us sort of embody, uh, you know, that we still embody and we carry uh, for a lot of our lives. So I hope you found that, uh, that really, uh, really insightful, uh, as I said, first episode. So I apologise for any, uh, any uh, sound quality issues or whatever, but uh, yeah, appreciate anyone's feedback out there. And uh, this is the start of some great things to come. Have another uh, tremendous guest uh, coming on uh, for episode two, so stay tuned. Uh, if you'd like some more information, contact me, support at outbackmind.com.au or the website is www.outbackmind.com.au. Thanks very much, guys. Have a great, uh, a great day and we'll uh, speak to you soon. Cheers.